You're listening to the Talking Forest Podcast with your host, Kendra Burns. In today's world, it's important to communicate your story online, and Kendra can help you by diving into social media and providing you with free tips and insights on how to build your organic social media following and shine online. Having been raised low income, first in her family to go to college, and a proud international military spouse, Kendra develops creative media content across many social media platforms from anywhere in the world. Her inspiration comes from the people who give her hope and believe in her so she can believe in you. Follow the Talking Forest podcast today to see how she lives the dream of a traveling virtual entrepreneur and get your tech tips as we keep up with the latest on social media. Welcome to the Talking Forest Podcast. This is your host, Kendra Burns. And today we have a really awesome guest on today, Maima Letts from England, and she's the founder and director of Tree Sparks. Really excited to have her on. We've been meaning to do this for quite a while now, going round and round, and we're finally landing after the, the, the pandemic. So we've got some time on our hands, and we'd love to have her voice on the podcast. So this is episode 50. I'm going to introduce Maima and then let her get to the questions. Um, she started Tree Sparks in 2018 with the aim of increasing awareness of forestry careers in young people. A graduate student from the forestry program at Bangor University, Maima found herself facing many barriers when she decided that forestry was a career path for her. Careers in forestry and the environment are not often advertised by schools and misunderstood, making it hard for young people to get into forestry. So after experiencing this for herself, Maima wants to change this by shining the light on the mixed and varied roles that are available in forestry. She's been studying forestry for the past three years at Bangor University, working as an outdoor activity instructor during the summer seasons. And she is now a training forester on the Chatworth in England. And she is also a qualified volunteer ranger for the Peak District National Park, and she'd love to spend as much time as she can out in the forest. Welcome. Hello. Thank you very much for having me on. Um, I'm glad we're finally here. Yeah, we have arrived. <laughs> <laughs> I know. 20... Just six months late. <laughs> 2019 was a crazy time for you, and so I know it was not the right timing, but I think we landed 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got here. <laughs> so one of my first questions I ask is um, to kind of find the humble beginnings. So I was wondering, what was your first job and what are your good memories of it? Well, I suppose my first actual kind of real job was working as, so it was over, over uni, um, obviously have those really long summer holidays. And it seemed silly not to try and earn a bit of extra cash. Um, so I managed to land myself a job as an outdoor activity instructor. Um, and it was it was a really nice kind of it was just an idyllic time. You get to you know I got to live in a forest for the summer season, but I also got to interact with loads of groups of diverse young people from across well across the UK. And I just got to teach them about the outdoors, things like bushcraft, taught them how to climb, how to read maps, and it just it kind of felt like a really wholesome experience to be able to share stuff I'd been learning at uni with other young people and, and sometimes you could kind of just spark their interest in something they maybe thought was a bit dull, a bit boring. Um, and I think it was it was a really nice job. It's not something I want to do long term, which is why I've moved on. But as a uni student during the summers, it was it was kind of the dream. You got money for doing something you loved and you got food. So 
Couldn't complain. Absolutely. Um, the other thing that's connected on this podcast after doing 50 episodes, I've noticed that most people who start out as a young person in the soil, or at least doing outdoor camps, uh, natural resources, any of those things that are getting them outside at a young age, even like primary school is really important and elementary schools. And so I think being an outdoor activity instructor, you might have changed some lives and actually when, when they touch that soil and when they're out there, their brain lights up and it's a completely different experience than you would get in, in say, London. Oh, definitely. It's it's one of the reasons that my social enterprise True Spots kind of exists today. Um, I came from, I've kind of come from a normal forestry background. So, you know, no one in my family's got, we, no one really knew what it was. I didn't really know what it was. And I only picked to study it because I knew I wanted to work outside and there wasn't really much else I could study. And it was kind of a mistake and I just thought, oh, I can learn about trees, I can live in Wales and it would take four years. So I thought that would be, that would do me fine. Um, and it's only when I got talking to these other young people, so they they were kind of just about, people I was instructing were, were just looking to the future about the next steps, where they're going to go to college, where they're going to go to uni, where they're just going to get a job. And so many young people didn't realise when I said, oh, I'm studying forestry, and I what does that mean? I was like, oh, I, you know, I, I look after trees, I manage what happens in forests. And the number of jaws that dropped and there was one boy, I will not forget, and he told me he was going to go to uni, he was going to study business. And um, he was like, yeah, no business studies. And then he went, oh, but it would be really cool if you could get a job looking after trees and managing the forest. And I was like, oh, you can do that. Like, I'm studying to do that. And loads of people do it as a job and it's a profession. And it's kind of, you know, it's something that's respected. And it was really good to be able to see him, kind of meet with him a year later. Um, he came back to the same camp as a mentor. He said, oh, it's amazing. He's like, I, I scrapped the business studies course. I did a foundation course in forestry and it's changed everything. And it was that kind of, that sudden spark of if a five minute conversation can, can have that much impact. Imagine what a kind of an actual program of events could do. And it's, that's kind of where everything's kind of sparked from really. Yeah. And then looking forward to just coming back to that and knowing it's available and then being inspirational to others and constantly having that as an option to go to outdoor school I think has always been really important for many lives and bringing them out into the outdoors and I'm so happy that you had that experience with and you'll never forget that from that that person that was touched that 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 way in wanting to completely change career path and Everyone has that idea of like what they want to do when they grow up, but you know, being a businessman is completely different than being a forester. Yeah, but I think a lot of people forget that being a forester encompasses so many different roles, and it includes being a business person, being a communicator. It involves so many different kind of you know plethora of roles, and it's just kind of a it's just a great job. Absolutely, and that's why I like featuring people here because I get to hear stories of civiculture, fire, and there's even foresters who are in fire, you know, doing that kind of thing. And so you can mix and match and um, the traditional role of timber cruising is not necessarily um, everyone's path and that's okay. So absolutely, I'm glad that you've done that. And then you've gone so as far to create tree sparks. And I was wondering your role right now and how that plays out in, in tree sparks. So at the moment, so I graduated from my university course, it would be about a year ago. Um, and obviously that was incredible to finish the university course. Um, 
and during my career at uni I made the decision that I wanted to start True Sparks um, and it kind of came about it was it was kind of a bit of luck and a bit of boredom that kind of led to the creation of True Sparks. Uh, a part of our degree programs here in the UK is that we take a mid-year placement so half of your degree we take a year out get that job in industry and kind of learn some of the skills kind of on the ground because you can't learn forestry you just sat in a classroom. Um, but unfortunately, I, I wasn't able to take a year out. Uh, I got quite ill. And so instead, I, I kind of got forced to just take a year off, which I know to a lot of people sounds magical. But I know that a lot of people that are now on furlough realise that actually it's quite boring. And you soon kind of lose interest and there's only so much Netflix you can watch. Um, and it did get to a stage I was thinking about, oh, I'd love to start a business. I'd love to try and get more people into forestry. I'd love to promote awareness of even just what forestry is. Um, and I was really lucky that in Wales, there's a huge kind of culture for, for enterprise. And my university is part of that a really amazing culture. And there was a competition opened up for young people. Um, so I entered it on a whim. I had no idea how, I had no idea how to run a business at all. I didn't have a, a business structure. I didn't have a way to make money. I just kind of entered with this, oh, I, wanna, I want people to understand what trees are why forestry is important. It's not just cutting down trees, it's conservation, it's all these other things. Um, and I was super impressed. I got through to the final stages and I, I, you know, I got to go to a showcase event, which basically involved um, talking to lots of different people. And I got to stand there and talk all day about trees, which suited me down to the ground because I could talk, you know, I could talk to anyone for any length of time about trees. Right. And even though I couldn't, I couldn't demonstrate I had any business acumen whatsoever, I stood there, I talked about trees, and they just went, your passion is incredible. And I was really lucky to get funding, business mentoring, support, um, everything I needed. And I thought, oh, wow, I could actually start this business. And so Tree Sparks was kind of created. I got branding, I got a website, um, and it's just grown from strength to strength. And I've just been lucky to have the support of such a, you know, supportive forestry industry. The sector itself is very supportive. I've had support from my university and now since graduating I've had great support from my current employers so my kind of day job I'm the training forester from the Chatsworth Estate uh, which is in the Peak District in England um, which is an incredible role I've got to kind of get my feet on the ground I've got to put everything I learned at uni to use work out what was what was not quite right in the textbooks and what was spot on and you know I'm writing management plans I'm going out overseeing harvesting contracts and it's absolutely incredible. And then in my spare time, I'm able to go and talk to young people about my experiences, share the things I'm doing. And I'm lucky to have received a lot of support from Chatsworth in, in doing that. So that's where we are now. Wow, absolutely. And quite the journey. And the cool thing is, is we're still young. So it's hard to even measure like what our biggest, biggest accomplish, accomplishments are like right now, because there's so much that we've already started and got that ball rolling for other people to be involved in forestry in diverse ways. And so I'm absolutely just glad to have you on and um, talk about like some of these things that you're talking about, misunderstanding um, how to get involved in forestry and not knowing that it's a great option and um, what you've done in university and going into the training forester position in the States, we usually have internships. And if you're doing a two year program, that usually only gives you two summers, which is only six months. And a lot of the entry level positions when I was starting out in 2013 were one year minimum 
and I didn't even have yeah. that that year experience so I can really relate and it's you know 2020 and it's still that one year experience is still needing to happen so that training forester position is really crucial and I think that would help break some of those barriers and when we're talking about barriers that's kind of what they are is just having that way of human resources creating a position and then not really having that entry level ability and internships can only get you so far and there's not very many available it's it's very competitive oh definitely it's something it's something that has come up time and time again um i'm obviously hyper aware that i'm no longer a student and problems and things you know the forestry sector is fast changing and so it's great to kind of have a network of students that i can interact with and find out what's important to them and one of the big things that's come up time and time again is having access to jobs, having access to well-paid enough jobs that people can actually take. Um, there's so many different conservation interns, for example, out there for media placements, but they're just underfunded. They're not a living wage. And it, it really disadvantages loads of students, you know. Yes. And I'm probably lucky that my training position here at Chatsworth is, is a living wage position so I can, I can afford to live happily and work and not have to worry about maybe taking a part-time shift at a, at a bar to tide me over. And it's something that Truesbox is working hard on to, to also just create a space where students, graduates, young professionals can look for jobs which are aimed at them. Because there's so many, so many, so much misinformation with graduate jobs, you know, people posting graduate jobs and then going, oh, but you need at least two years experience. I'm like, well, that's not a graduate job. That's a two years after a graduated job. Absolutely. So it's just trying to, yeah, create that environment where students can find the information they need in one place. Yes. Um, the other thing in the States is the seasonality. And I've talked with other podcast guests how it would be nice to actually have winter seasonal going into summer seasonal. So that way there's at least an overlap and there just aren't enough winter positions. Although I think fall and winter is a good time for probably prescribed burns and um, burn piles. There's always a lot of burn piles and permits yeah. out there where... People don't know that you have to actually have a permit to burn a pile of rubbish, um, wood, not necessarily trash, but, but yeah. and, and so that seasonality, you know, when I worked in state parks, human resources, I was able to see um, stacks of seasonal paper paperwork and we had to process the same paperwork for the same person every year to get into a five month position. And it was like, oh my gosh, it's the same person. Why are we doing this over and over again? Yeah. And they just keep coming back to the same job because they love it so much. Um, but like you said, if we kind of budged a little bit and gave some flexibility and made it a livable wage, then it'd be a lot less paperwork too. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. And I think you get so much more out of having, you know, young people in organizations and just having a fresh face. They don't have to be young, just having a student or someone new to an organization is just, they look at things differently and it's not that you've been doing them wrong but it could just be that there's a different way of doing it that's more efficient and if you pay someone the right wage and it means they can live comfortably they're far more likely to spend a lot more effort on the work that you've set them to do so it's i think it's a win-win for everyone absolutely valuable for everyone and they, they can trade that value back and forth and fresh energy with old energy and and we know it exists and i love highlighting it so We'll talk about that more, um, but I want to move into so a project that you created on YouTube. You put out a video on your Tree Sparks channel that's called We Are Women in Forestry, and I, I got to see kind of the ideas rolling and then 
when you got the um the the people in the film i was like oh my gosh and i got to see it and then i was just so happy so now we're um a few months post since you posted it on youtube i just wanted to hear the journey of we are women in forestry uh well with every good project it was a it was a very um just one of those late night thoughts maybe a month before it was due to start um but it all kind of stemmed from in 2019 so last year um for international women's day um the institute of charity foresters so our kind of institute over here in the uk they do this amazing thing every year called um hashtag i look like a forester and they get female foresters from whatever kind of whatever to world of forestry they're in to post a picture of themselves to kind of just show there's there's a diversity there's not just big bulky guys and shaking shirts carrying axes it can be people in offices people driving machines um you know people doing surveys it's not just people out chopping trees down and it was it was just it's a really great campaign to show the diversity of people in forestry um and so last year tree spots decided to do its own campaign in line with this um but focused on female students to kind of show people the type of people that are coming into forestry who were going to be the professionals looking after our forest in the future and just to give some young people the chance to get their voices heard and so we rang blog posts and we did social media posts for forestry students from we ended up getting women from around the world we got people from the uk we got people from um even madagascar italy canada a really wide range of people um and it was extremely successful and we had a great engagement rate. i think we we reached over 41,000 people across 20 different countries in just five days yeah which was amazing um and it got to this year and you know i thought oh we could do it again but then i thought oh, i i'm not i love blog posts but Sometimes you just don't have the time or the energy to read them, but I could quite easily in the evening sit down and watch TV or listen to a podcast. I was like, oh, why don't we make a film? Because reading someone's words and actually hearing them coming out of their, their mouth themselves, it's, it's so it's different to be able to meet people and actually talk to them and get a dialogue going. Um, and so I was very lucky that I was able to work again in partnership with the Institute. And I was able to create this, this film called We Are Women in Forestry. Um, and so I travelled the UK. We met with students at um, University of Highlands and Islands in Inverness. We met with female students in the, in the University of Cumbria on the Ambleside campus. And then we also went back to my home university, Bang University, to meet with some females there. Um, with a quick pit stop at the in Edinburgh for yeah. the Pond for Awards dinner, and it was just an incredible experience. And it filled me with it filled me with joy, and it filled me with absolute. I was inspired just meeting these young people who were, you know, only at the start of their forestry careers, but so eager and so willing and so ready to take on the challenges that faced them. And it was it was an incredible project that I, I don't think I'll ever forget. And it was it was just amazing to be a part of, really. Yeah, and the journey um, starts out of Mima on a train. And so it's really cool because that kind of gives you that transport feeling um, very raw, real, and when she starts going to all the universities and, and speaking to these students, they're really raw and they're authentic. And I think that's what the world's craving right now is a lot of people who are able to just be themselves and be able to say, hey, yeah, this is something that we've been working on. This is a project or, you know, something that they got excited about and why are you in forestry? And they got to describe that and, um, it was a really, really cool project. So it'll be in the show notes below. So you can go and click on that and view that. 
Um, so speaking of platforms, I really love social media and I actually saw Mima in person at the Institute of Chartered Foresters, um, I believe it was the forestry conference in Oxford University. And I was really impressed because she had a slide where she actually had some of the social media um, icons and she actually brought up why it's important. And I was just sitting there going, thank goodness someone is talking about it and if you go out and talk about it more i would be just like you said talking about trees all day i can do both trees and social media um well, yeah there's a there's kind of something i notice now when i go to when i'm lucky enough to be able to go to conferences is that i'm you know i'm lucky to meet with seasoned colleagues people that have been in the industry for a few years um and it's this strange mixture of people that have been in the industry for a while of they know their friends and then they find them on Twitter and they find them on social media. Whereas for me, things like Twitter has been a, a huge networking platform where I've been able to just follow foresters from the UK from further afield to just see what they're up to, see what they're doing, learn about best practice, learn about different methods of maybe, you know, different several cultural methods. And it's been incredible that I've been able to connect to so many people on social media. And then, so I meet a lot of my contacts first on social media and then get the chance to meet them in person at conferences. And I think for, for young people, especially, and students moving forwards, it's such a nice environment to be a part of, especially on things like Twitter and Instagram, where you can you can interact with people without necessarily having to talk to them or feeling like you're below them because you're just a student. You can see what they've been up to. If you're interested in something, you can reach out. And it's a case then of when you see them at a conference, it's so much easier to approach someone and say, oh, hi, I follow you on Twitter. I'm a real fan of what you do. And, it's such a nice conversation start and so many people are, you know, really keen to, to meet you and say hello. Yes. And also, young people spend all, you know, not all their time, but young people are on social media. So instead of us banging on about why don't they know about forestry, we need to take forestry to them and we need to put it into a format and on a platform that they understand and they just intuitively use. Yeah. So when our organisations are actually putting their face out there, it's actually a win-win for everyone because then they can see us and go, oh, you're from CONFOR. Oh, you're from ICF. Um, and that way, when you go to even your field shows, which I've been to the APF show, um, you walk yeah. around and, and people are like, oh yeah, you're, you know, you're representing Husqvarna or you're, you're representing steel and we love what you do in the timber sports show. And, you know, you can start like making a face to the to the Twitter handle <laughs> um, excellent. and excellent. Yeah, I think that's that's really cool. And being able to um, be out as an organization that way, it's been really hard as a consultant because the one thing that whenever I have older companies, they are unsure about how personable they can be. And I'm letting them know that right now, authenticity is what we, we really need. And so they're like, well, how? They don't even know how to be personal and to bring their personal life. I said, if you post photos of your dog, that's actually great. We would love to see more of that, you know? If you have like a dog in the office day and um, dogs playing out in the, the lake, you know, just anything like that. And and it's, it's the opposite of thinking that they've had because I think growing up with formal professionalism, we're shying away from that and I think for, for a good purpose, but it's just something I constantly remind on every phone call I have with um, the clients who are unsure of personalized messages. I, I always train them to 
talk to their employees and personalize their stories and bring them out on social media. And once your employees are out there being your ambassadors, um, you're really going to have a good go at having a platform that's meant for a lot of people. Oh, definitely. And I think being authentic is really important. And someone I've been really lucky to be able to kind of, in my spare time, do a lot of public speaking, which I absolutely love. Um, and I fell in, it's another thing I fell into by mistake. But um, I think a really, not a sad thing, but there's a lot of children and younger people, and even people that I knew and still know from university, even now as what, I'm what, 23, so 23, 24 year olds, they're scared of failure, which I think is fair. Everyone's scared of failing. But I also, I, I also don't think that we should be scared of failure. Um, I, I kind of stopped after what was a horrendous mid-year placement year for me. And, you know, it was, it was a complete disaster to begin with. I lost my job. I didn't have anything to do. Oh, my gosh, I'm living with my parents. This is yeah. awful. But to then have, you know, tree spots created and to become, a, you know, a different person and far more confident, I've kind of looked back and realised that some of the best learning moments I've had throughout my life and my career to date are when things have gone a little bit wrong. I've learned from it and then I've gone back and I've done it 100 times better. And it's something that I kind of share when I go and do public speaking. I talk all about things I've done wrong because I don't think anyone gets inspired when someone stands there and goes, oh, I've done this and aren't I great? It's amazing. And I just go, I'm human. I make mistakes all the time. And again, it's something I'm trying to do with Tree Sparks is to, you know, we are, we are a student-led organization. We're starting membership schemes so the students can join us. And it's a case of we're going to let, we let students take over our social media channels. There might be some mistakes. There might be some things where like, oh, Maybe we shouldn't have posted that, but it's such a good learning experience for the people, for the young people themselves. And so, as an organisation, we're you know we're more than happy to try things out, make mistakes, and if it doesn't quite work, we'll hold our hands up. We'll say, "Ah, oh, I didn't quite go how I wanted it to, but this is what we learned, and next time it will be ten times better." Absolutely. And with posting things and having students post, what's the worst that happens? It doesn't get as many views as something else. I mean, that's still. A challenge in and of itself and um, I've always been into organic marketing which means no buying followers and also telling your story rather than trying to sell something um, and I think that's really important when you bring people into the equation it still is about people instead of that sale so I've really been glad to see tree sparks and other organizations take to um, student takeovers. <laughs> I think that's, yeah. that's a great thing. So basically what that is, is an organization giving a student the ability to post for a week or a day um, or, you know, during conference, something like that, so that they get, they have the ability and it, you kind of put them in a driver's seat, but it's also a, a good time for you to feel them out and to understand and to let them have that, that challenge. And it doesn't have to be perfect. I agree. Oh, definitely. I think it's, far better to have someone else's perspective out there you know it might not be a light perspective but you need people to challenge the norms and I think having things like shoot takeovers and just having a different vibe is is definitely something to do not be afraid of doing yeah and then also if they have their social media then sharing their handles um really goes a long way because then people are seeing the face behind the social media definitely oh yes yeah. So then let's move into forest conversation. Um, I know we're going to get really nerdy here. So one of my favorite questions is asking, uh, what are the issues facing our forests today? 
well. I mean, there's there's so many facing well the world really, isn't it? Especially just sat here during the, the midst of a pandemic. Um, right. I think there's there's loads of challenges. There's challenges that we know about things like tree pest and diseases and how we're we're not running out of different tree species, but we're we're finding more and more that the tree species we once loved loved and we grew are now being struck down by disease. I mean, over on the Chatsworth Estate, we're we're you know doing a large program of felling works to, to remove kind of diseased ash trees from the roadside and it's a real sad kind of loss of such a you know iconic tree species in the countryside and of course we're replanting with things like oak and other native broadleaves but it's it's not the same because we've lost that kind of that composition that that species in our woodlands um so i think disease is a massive one um but then there's all these other problems that we don't even know exist yet we've got that continuing problem of, of climate change and how that's going to affect us moving forwards and, you know, we're, we're quite well versed with, you, mean, you can look at the internet and you can work out what the temperature is going to be like in your forest in 50 years time. And you know, we can look at it and go, oh, well, it's going to be a bit like France and we can grow these species, but it's not really addressing the problem itself. And I think, you know, that's a massive problem in itself. But I also think that, that another big problem, which is obviously something I'm uncomfortable about, is the fact that we just don't have enough people coming into forestry and we don't have enough, even don't have enough people just understanding what forestry is and it's something that I really want to change the culture of in the UK I love I kind of love the tree starts to become redundant as an idea yeah. I think it's weird to say that but I'm working for it so that tree spots need to exist I don't want to have to promote forestry and to tell people about it I want people to just know what forestry is for it to be this career that's advertised that people know about that people want to study um and also just having a fresh workforce, a continual kind of supply of not just graduates, you don't have to go to uni to be in forestry, um, having people that have got the practical qualifications, have gone to college and done a more practical route, having machine operators who are, you know, extremely skilled to be able to do what they do operating these massive machines to cut down trees and forward them out and extract them, having things like wagon drivers, which is something I could, you know, I could never do any of that at all. Yeah. But then also having people that are confident to make management decisions. Um, people that are confident to work as tree surgeons and all of that jazz. And I think it's just, it's really important. I think that we have a continual supply of labour into the sector, not just thinking about the things that are threatening our forests and fires and climate change and all of that jazz, all of that stuff. But I think just thinking about our continued supply of labour, because otherwise we're quite a sustainable industry. Um, yeah. It's the labour I think we need to work on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also, lorry drivers, which in... America are called truck drivers and I I come from a logging company um, town and so of course I have that family with um, the log truck driving experience and yeah that's definitely something to think about and you know our first thing that comes in our generation mindset would be climate change but then there's so many things to go with that that you just said that also we need to be thinking about how to retain and also bring in new people and there's an interesting thing that I've noticed. Um, I've gone to the Mass Timber Conference in the States quite a few times, and um, we weren't able to have it this year, but hopefully going to 2021, we'll be able to go in and have that conference again. And that's where I've talked to a lot of really um, wood science type people and um, building with wood and all that. And I, I remember specifically having a conversation with someone who was mentioning, we need more women in the sector. And, and yes, I agree with that, but I also told him we also need to move positions and women into positions 
that are also making decisions in the sector. So there's also a lot of office positions and secretaries and the support roles. But when I don't see a woman at the board table, I always ask the board where the women are and they don't know why I'm asking. So I'm hoping that that question becomes um, a little more easier to identify and there are more women sitting at the board seats. Yeah, I think it's making forestry accessible. It's something I, I say all the time. And I think obviously it's, I'm not, I'm not pushing for kind of forestry careers for women. I think in general, we just need more young people, whether they be male, female, non-binary, you know, yeah. whatever they identify as. I don't think it makes a difference. But I think the issue we've got is that a lot of females in particular feel that they can't be foresters. And I think that's something that, and it's not necessarily things that the sector are doing wrong. It's just that we could probably do more to show that, you know, you don't need to be anything in particular to be a forester. I mean, no one, I think, would have imagined, if you looked at my CV, would imagine that I'd be a forester. I can't use a chainsaw. I'm not allowed to drive because of health reasons. Um, and you kind of look at that and think, blimey, she calls herself a forester. Like, oh, my gosh. Oh, no. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm really lucky to have such an amazing job where I applied for a job where they said, you know, driving's kind of a, a big deal because you're, you're on a very big estate and you can't just walk to places. You need to be able to drive and get to places and... Oh, having practical qualifications would be, a, you know, would be a good, a good, you know, thing to have. And I kind of rock up interview going, well, you know, I've had a nice tour of the estate for free. I've, I've met a really nice, a really nice forestry manager. I'm not going to get the job, but it's been a great afternoon out. Um, but then to be able to prove that to be in forestry, you know, I'm an absolute mapping nerd. I love making maps. I love working out how we can better utilize maps to kind of record data, make them work for the team. Um, so I might not be the one out there doing the doing the chainsawing, but you know I like to think of formal weight when it's not COVID nineteen. I'm out there helping you know move brash when the you know when the others are, are doing the technical work. I, I make all the maps in the office. I do the reports and the data that's been collected. I do other things, and I also you know I've started up social media channels for the forestry department at Chatsworth, which is something they've been keen to do for a while, but they just weren't sure how. So we're able to promote our business, we're able to promote what we're doing and, and to kind of have a better a better communication, better dialogue. Because obviously it's it's an estate, you've got people that have lived and worked there for almost their whole lives. And it's nice to actually be able to to kind of talk to them directly and say, Oh, trees, but we're doing it because they've got Ash Dye back and we don't, you know, if they're to fail, they could hit the road, they could hit drivers, cyclists, pedestrians. So we're gonna take them out now before they, you know, could even you know potentially hurt someone or a property and we're going to replant them and we're using the wood for saw logs for firewood we're selling the ash books for hurleys and it's just amazing yeah. that people driving past used to look at it and go oh they're coming down on the trees and they're probably the trees how dare they and they now i like to they now drive past go oh well it's because they're diseased they're keeping us safe and they're helping create a renewable resource and they're going to replant so it's yeah that is quite something she just mentioned being forester who also turned communicator um <laughs> That's what I did here in Talking Forests because it was my calling. And yeah, I went for a log scaling job. And when I went for that log scaling interview, the math, I was not able to do percentages and fractions in my head. So I got denied the job, right? Because I just wasn't fit for it. So what's really cool about Maima and I is we've become forester and been able to actually figure out a path that works for us. And I, we're letting you guys know that 
other people can do that too. She obviously was saying, you know, driving is not the expertise, and but she loves mapping. And so ArcGIS is really a cool program. And GIS, I remember learning three semesters twice. So I got into mapping as well. And that's a skill set that I haven't used um, for 10 years. But if I were to get into it, I probably would, you know, be able to hop back on the bicycle per se and go back into mapping. But we can find these little paths that actually work and like creating an estate page, what that does is it gives that sense of community. And instead of pointing fingers as to why we're cutting trees, you know, she was really able to go in there and bring up a topic and, and talk to the community about it openly and give them the voice as well. So I think that's just as important and it holds its place and we don't all have to be lorry drivers or chainsaw operators. Oh, definitely not. I think it's all about finding your niche, but also kind of having the confidence to be like, well, this is my niche. And it's it's a thing, it happens quite a lot. I'm really lucky to look quite young for my age. Um, I still sometimes get asked what school I go to, even though I've graduated and I have a job and live on my own and all of that stuff. Um, but it, it happens quite a lot when people, you know, they kind of ask, well, you, when are you going to learn how to use a chainsaw? Yes. And I kind of know in my head thing, I was like, well, you know, no one asks the chainsaw operators when they're going to learn how to use GIS. So I kind of just, I know that people have this idea of what approach from their head, but you kind of have to just get to stage where you stick with your guns and it's like, no, this is what I'm good at. This is what I'm paid to do. And I think I'm doing it all right. Yeah. To be, to kind of be in a team of people, you've all got your own specialism. And it's something that I'm doing with tree spots because I can't do everything. I've got someone that does our comms because it's just too hard to manage on my own. Yeah. Um, I've got someone that works to try and who's good with the people, the HR kind of side, who's good with communicating with students. And we're lucky now that we receive funding, so we're providing uh, short-term placements for students over the summer, um, so they're remote working placements. So no matter what happens with COVID-19, they can work from home and they can get some different skills, but it'd be great to get some more people on board. And it's something that I've kind of, something I've taken from working on an estate is that there's lots of different departments, lots of different things. And, you know, there's no way a massive estate would function if you had one person trying to do it all. I, mean, I could do forestry, but I can't do like land yeah. aging stuff. I can't let it. I can't talk to you about the paintings in the house. I mean, they look really nice, but yeah. I haven't got a clue who painted them. Um, and it's incredible to be part of this team, which has so many skills, you know? You don't have to worry if you can't, you can't, you know, take a good picture because we've got a marketing team like, oh no, we can take a picture and send it to you. And it's like, oh, this is great. It's like, absolutely working and it's amazing. I was just thinking when you were talking, you can't have the Beatles and you can't have the Rolling Stones as a one person band. No, it, it doesn't work. I mean, even within our department, uh, with, you know, the forestry team at Chatsworth, it's great that we've got, everyone's kind of got their own niche. We've got someone like me that could quite happily sit all day and, and all night nerding out about maps and working out what they can do and which bit of code they can use to upgrade it and do what they want. We've got an ARB team who go out, they, they can climb trees, dismantle trees, they can do all of that. And then we've got people within the yard who are, who are incredible. You know, I can use our fiber processor, but I'm slow and I'm a bit nervous. And we've got people that just, they can just, they, they get, they process an incredible amount of logs in a day. We've got people that are really good at tractor driving, people that are great using the forder and extracting timber. And it's amazing part of the team where we're kind of just, you know, it's that whole, you know, the sum of its parts, you know, on your own, you're not really worth much. 
but when you work together as a team, you can achieve so much. And it's something I want to kind of emulate with True Sparks. Yeah, and so that leads me to the next question in how would you like to see forestry change in the future? Wow. Um, I think, I think especially, I mean, I think it's happening across the world, but especially in the UK, I think people are beginning to realise that forestry is important. They might not realise how important, but obviously there's a massive push on tree planting and the fact that we need to plant more trees and all of this stuff. Um, and I think... You know, I think forestry is pretty good as it is, but I think we could do loads of things better as, a, as an industry. We could always improve. Um, how would I want forestry to change? I, I think I just, I'd like to see foresters in general, just forestry companies, foresters, anyone that works in the sector, to just get better at talking about forestry um, and promoting what they do. You know, not in a big-headed way. Not, not to an extent that it's annoying. I mean, I talk about it and it's quite annoying. But um, <laughs> it would be nice for people to be able to share what they're doing. Um, there's obviously loads of other things that I could talk about in terms of we need to get better at kind of like, you know, tree breeding for disease resistance and climate change and being able to actually have nurseries, you know, you know, increase nurseries capacity so we can have enough saplings to plant all these trees. And there's loads of technical things and loads of forestry things that go into that need to change. But I think it would just be great is if a if a profession, we as professionals, actively seek out different audiences. You know, it's one thing going to a forestry conference, and I love going to forestry conferences. Don't get me wrong; I get to see people, meet new colleagues, meet old friends. But I mean, we're all tree nerds. We already know what we're talking about, or at least pretend to. We all already know that forestry is a good thing. It's a completely different thing to go to a conference for, you know, a completely random subject or to go to a school which doesn't know anything about forestry and talk to forestry, you know, to people that haven't got a clue what it is. And I think foresters are really good at communicating with other foresters, but not great with communicating with non-foresters. And yeah. I think that's one of the biggest changes I want to see. I want to see foresters getting better at talking to non-foresters. Absolutely. And to highlight your point, I remember going in my community and we have a large tree farming community in Washington state. The first tree farm certified was Clemens in the Montesano area where I was from. And I remember going to all these picnics and you go to picnics, you go to field parties, um, you go to conference and, and you're honestly preaching to the choir. And that's not a bad thing, but I realized okay, well, we have this great article in the Daily World, but everyone knows the Daily World. That's been out for a long time. They've been a news source in the newspaper. And I said, why not go to an event and blog about it? And this was 2015. And why not blog about it and actually share the blog out on social media and see if we can get other people, like you said, the public, to just come to the picnic and have the Department of Natural Resources do um, basic tree knowledge. You know, we know about the, the red cedar, we know about the oak, we know about the ash, um, but also that would be a great chance to bring in, like you said, that non-forester and really shine. And so I think that blogging, podcasting, the videos that we've created, um, we're well on our way to change. Oh, definitely. I mean, I've been really lucky that kind of going to a university like Bangor that's got such a wide, a wide range of courses and 
being kind of like shoved into a, a household in my first year with loads of different people. I mean, yeah, it was great to live with a geographer because we have quite a few kind of shared aspects, but I was living with someone from ocean sciences, someone studying um, criminology, psychology, English literature, and it was just such an, an amazing mix of different kind of professions joined together. But it was also amazing in just discovering just how 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 many of those subjects for us you could kind of interweave into. I had so many great discussions with the psychologist about, you know, the effects of trees on mental health and, and loads of different, you know, there's so many different things you can talk about combining psychology with, with forestry. And just, you know, even, you know, talk to ocean scientists and it was great learning about, you know, what they call like, you know, the kelp forests of the, of the oceans. And it's just, it gives you a completely different spin on your career, but it also helps to teach you how to talk about forestry in a non-technical way which I sometimes think is really fun. I try and push myself to do talks with groups of people that, you know, are not likely to know anything about forestry. Right. And it's really easy to stand there talking about silviculture, continuous cover, this, that, and the other. But they'd all just be sat there going, what on earth? So to actually have to not spell it out, people aren't dumb, but just go, we do this and this is why. It's just incredible, really. A yeah. pleasure. Yeah, and then to have them walk away with just a piece of something they didn't know that day um is everything and then maybe they go look it up maybe they go google it yeah oh that's that's the aim isn't it because there's so many once i think once you know forestry exists there's so many great resources out there but the problem is that we're missing that stepping stone of people need to know forestry exists before they google the word forestry um so even just getting people to google the word forestry and it just it can change some as well so i love being able to do that i love being able to just pop a fact in someone's head and they just go oh wow and you can just see the culture ring and you know they're going to be lying there all night thinking about it. And you know it's going to become one of those Google sessions where they keep it from different links and it becomes, they just, they start to fall in love with it. And I, I love being able to talk to people about things like that. Yeah. And, in, and I mean, in return, you get, you know, I got to learn loads about psychology and ocean science and geography. And I got really into different kind of geographical thought things. And it's just, it's been an absolute pleasure to get knowledge back from other people. You know, I mean, I'm now a member of the um, RGS, the Royal Geographic Society, which is amazing because it's just a whole different. Um, and I really recently got granted a fellowship to the Royal Society of the Arts, which is something you kind of, you know, everyone I've told have just gone, wait, you're a fellow of the RSA, but for arts. And I was like, yeah, but it's, it's for arts and manufacturers and commerce. And forestry is a part of a manufacturing chain. And it's nice to be part of this massive organization where I'll be able to talk to those people about how forestry actually is in our everyday lives. We just don't see it. So yeah, it's, I think it's a huge pleasure to be a forester, but to be able to talk to people from a diverse background. Yep. And that's uh, my interdisciplinary programs in my bachelor's degree. It was really cool, like you said, to interact with other students. And I took my upper division science first. Um, got that out of the way, and then my last um, seminar in my last semester, I picked dance and anatomy. So wow. these classes, so upper division science are for specific people, and you normally get like-minded people. And so then for me to go from like-minded scientist, nerdy, geologist, ecology, um, everything in the natural resources environmental realm to dancing and body parts. Um, I got to see a bunch of 18 year olds and the really cool thing about seminar was you go into a room and you kind of 
get that authenticity from everyone and we're asking questions of each other like why were you moving that way on on that dance and what could you portray and how could you do a routine i remember doing a, a routine back then to macklemore's thrift shop and we're, we were at the college that macklemore went to and graduated from and doing a thrift shop routine in dance and it was so nice to get that perspective and to see different creative minds working in different ways. And I think if forestry learned to kind of, like you said, pull in some of those different mechanics, um, mapping scientists and, and geology, and just bring in like this different view and psychology even, what's the psychology behind going out in the woods and why are we so happy and what's the health benefit of being in the woods and, and start talking about the emotional wellness and well-being. I think bringing all that together is so possible and maybe that is the future is having a more interdisciplinary forestry um, be a thing and just have us, you know, bring in, accidentally bring in friends and oops, now they just love forestry. <laughs> Which, yeah, it's just great. I mean, a lot of the people that work with me behind the scenes on Tree Sparks aren't foresters, but it helps because I can quite easily get drawn into some of them. I think it's really interesting. They go, no, no, no. No, you've gone too far. You've gone too deep. No way. It's not interesting. We're not bothered about apical dominance or the different branching structures. Just talk to us about the trees. Like you need to scale it back. But it, it helps a lot. And to get their perspective on things as well is it's just nice. It's refreshing. It's something different. Yeah. So then let's go to something different. I wanted to learn what your activities are outside of this realm. So are there any? Is there anything that someone doesn't know that you do that would be different than forestry realm? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I, I used to, at uni, I was absolutely obsessed with forestry. And I think, I think in the, in the need to kind of almost like cover my shortcomings of not being a big bulky guy and not being able to drive and all that stuff. I think I promoted, I dedicated my life to doing anything related to forestry. Um, but I, I do have a small life outside of work and outside of True Sparks. I am an absolute Lego fanatic. I love Lego. It's, I think it's amazing. And yes, I, I, a lot of, if not all of, most of my models are of things like logging trucks and harvesters and forwarders. Mm -hmm. um, it's great to be able to sit down and, you know, we've got, for example, at work, we do firewood deliveries. We've got a little tipper transit truck and I'm certainly was I'm going to make the transit truck out of Lego. And it's just something that's really nice to do in your spare time. And I, also another thing I'm doing um, with a few of my flatmates at the moment is, Obviously, Chatsworth is famed for its really impressive, lovely Chatsworth house. It's beautiful. I love the, the woodland behind it, but the house itself is still stunning. Um, and so as three dedicated Chatsworth trainees, we, we sat down and decided to start building Chatsworth out of Lego in our spare time, um, which, you know, maybe it sounds really sad for some mid-20-year-olds to be sat doing Lego, but it's, it's really fun and I really, really like it. Um, I, you know, I also try and... You know, I do some healthy things and I, I do a little bit of running, but I, I don't really like it at all. Um, but I also really love pogo sticking, which is something else that people just don't know enough about. But I think it's, it's amazing to be able to just jump up and down. It probably sounds really boring, but I think it's great. It's a great stress reliever. Um, you do a few tricks and I, I mean, yeah, sometimes you get to see other people's gardens, which, you know, if your nose is a bonus, but it's something else fun to do, which isn't directly forest related. Right. Absolutely. So I think that 
gives you an idea of you know being able to enjoy something so much so that there's only a few other hobbies out there that you you really do which is okay um and i remember asking for legos to to my parents when i was eight or nine years old i remember having the first um big lego set and then i wanted another one and another one and so whenever i went to my friends houses where they have these kits that you're talking about i was like what kit? I only have these big, you know, t these giant Legos. You mean you're, you're, you mean to say that I can build like models? And yeah, absolutely. I've and then you know now they've come out with like complete Star Wars, like oh, yeah. galactic so ships. So I think it's really cool. And there's a lot of outlets that you can go to and um, different shopping centers. And I think I saw Legos in Edinburgh somewhere as well. When I was walking, oh, yeah, there's walk a whole second hand market. So, if you're missing a part, you can definitely source it very easily. It's like the eBay for Lego bricks, and it's yes, it's addictive. Yeah, well, that's good. Um, and so, the last question is upon us What is the most valuable thing that you want to tell our listeners? And do you have anything else to add today? Most valuable thing to tell the listeners, um, I think from personal experience. The most valuable piece of advice I can offer in my very short-lived, um, almost successful career would be to say, don't be afraid, just go for it. Whether that be applying for a job you don't think you're quite qualified for, um, going out for a run in the evening when you feel like you're not, you know, you don't really want to run, um, deciding to do, I don't know, camp out under the stars, deciding that you're going to go back to uni and do a, a distance learning master's course, whatever it may be, even deciding you're going to try and cook a different different type of, you know, curry for tea. I think just don't be afraid, go for it, and if you fail, learn from it and try again. That's, I think that's the biggest piece of advice I can give anyone because it's got me, it's got me this far and it's, it, yeah, it's been challenging, but it's been really fun, really, really fun. So even if you don't succeed first time, it gives you a really funny story to tell others in, in the meantime and it just gives you life experience, so just go for it. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. So that'll be really helpful to just, you know, you start falling and there's something that can bring you back up and you can come just as far in the world and learn from that. And yeah, there really are no failures if you look at that that glass that way. And I think Mayama is really describing that in a great way for everyone. So thank you for being on today and for finally getting this recording and absolutely think that you are going to provide value and we're going to continue to see forestry change for the better. Well, thank you for having me. It's been great. Absolutely wonderful. A pleasure. All right. Thank you and have a great rest of your day.